Hi, Marcus. Uh, really good to meet you again today. Um, really interested to hear uh, a little bit about your career. And um, obviously, we're going to cover off a couple of topics today, aren't we, that are hopefully going to be of interest to our wider community in the data and cloud arena. But it's over to you, really. I'm, I'm really keen to understand a little bit more about your background and our listeners will as well, people watching this. Just uh, what's brought you, um, in a nutshell, to where you are today. You've worked with some really interesting businesses like Tintree, VMware, um, and obviously where, where you are now. So, yeah, um, what, what's brought you to, to uh, where you are today? Certainly. Thank you, Simon. Pleasure to speak with you today. Um, so I've been in the industry for over 30 years. Um, just very quickly started my career in digital equipment, um, DEC. Yeah. Uh, very interesting. Um, the, the, the passion there quite some time ago was to really cover networking storage server. Then we went through the client server um, uh, at time in, in our in our careers. So it was a very nice overview of the of the of the marketplace. Yeah. Um, we worked very closely at that time with SAP R3, um, with VMware for, for, sorry, with Oracle for VLM, very large memory. So it really was a great, uh, for a rookie, it was a great start to yeah. the industry. People often say that about those, those businesses, yeah. yeah. They were, it, was, it was almost like a university background. I went to their European headquarters to set up the strategic bid center um, to yeah. focus on very large deals. So great, great learning. Moved my way through um, EMC. Um, so again, I was a, um, a sales director at EMC running Telco. Um, fascinating organization. This was at the beginning of the, the 2000s. Um, great focus, um, great execution, and very enjoyable. Uh, again, yeah. good learning for me. Yeah. Um, I then went to Cisco, um, which running their advanced technologies, uh, working for Chris Dedicote. And that was, again, uh, across an EMEA-wide role, uh, very exciting, um, taking the emerging technologies like the MDS 9000, a multi-layer data center switch, and turning it into a billion-dollar business. That was very, very exciting. That got us through to about 2005, um, where I wanted to start joining some startups. I was extremely fortunate. I became vice president of EMEA for Riverbed Technology um, pre-IPO. Um, again, wow. starting yeah. with very small teams, Simon, starting with two or three people, one technical, one sales, mm -hmm. myself, and then growing that up to 211 people over seven years. Um, wow. And doing okay. half a billion dollars of revenue in EMEA is very satisfying. So yeah. post-IPO, lots of challenges on the way. Um, you know, you've got to focus and hire the right people. Um, mm. Hiring the right people is, one, your personal network. It's, two, having some very uh, distinct, credible recruiters that you rely mm. on and you sort of build a relationship with. Mm. Um, there are, you know, can one hire 100% perfect people? No. Um, you've got to understand when there are limitations. I have an ethos and a view, though, that it's our duty to make people better at what they do. Mm -hmm. So there's an there's a responsibility as a leader, as a manager, as a driver of of sales to enable people, to empower people for confidence. You expect to get professionals, but then you can also mentor them to get them better at their roles. And I think mm -hmm. that's an important aspect of my journey mm -hmm. throughout. That one, not only can I learn new things on a daily basis, but it's important that we mentor and and teach and drive and lead by example for teams around you. Mm -hmm. So they feel empowered, enthusiastic, and are capable of growing in their own roles. Mm -hmm. So that's an important lesson. Um, with the same um, VCs of Riverbed, they invited me to run Tintree, um, had a great uh, episode working with Kieran Harty, the CEO and founder at Tintree. 
which was storage virtualization. Um, that was great um, and sort of progressed through various startups. The most recent one um, before my current role was Cloud Health. Mm-hmm. Um, and that had gone. So um, I'd done three IPOs in my career, and this was the first time I'd been acquired. Cloud, mm-hmm. Health, cloud Health essentially was cloud management cost. Mm-hmm. Um, still very relevant today. Uh, we grew exponentially. Um, we were acquired by VMware, and it enabled me to go and, and, and look at the sort of full portfolio of VMware. And I spent five years with them. Um, How did you find um, that transition from you? Because that's that's an amazing background of going from massive organizations back into smaller organizations. Um, we're often told that that's a big challenge for salespeople because it's um, a great, great question. Sam. Yeah. And yeah. The way, you know, I think people react to it differently. Um, let me share with you the way I reacted to it. Um, one, I think from a, um, a wealth creation job satisfaction perspective, small, startups are fantastic for some individuals i happen to adore it and really relish it uh you're incredibly empowered the buck stops with you um sort of i call it the good the bad and the ugly so it's important you get more of the good um but the transition if i understand your question correctly of having been with large organizations then having sort of 20 years or or 18 years with startups to then be acquired and go back into a very large organization Mm. Um, kudos to VMware. They um, they kept us as a separate entity for the first two years mm. and then slowly started to integrate us in. Mm. I was very fortunate that um, they gave me more responsibility on other divisions. And that mm. gave me a, um, an exposure to Tanzu, which is mm. um, around Kubernetes. Mm. Um, I then realized, actually, with the Broadcom acquisition, I, you know, I, I had enough um, desire to say, look, I want to go and join another startup, mm-hmm. but I want to make sure that we evaluate the market very coherently. Um, so I looked, you know, under no time pressure, I looked very, very, um, so I hope that answers your question. Well, so, yeah, yeah. What, I'm wondering, what I'm wondering as well is a lot of salespeople that are really experienced, um, what they say to us is they've been in big businesses and they want to join a startup and they want to go in with the the things that that's going to give them in terms of a, an IPO opportunity. But the organizations say to us, well, if someone's been in a Cisco or a Riverbed uh, as, a, as a large organization, they're worried that those people um, won't necessarily have some of the skills that you need to be able to get on with the job. They're expecting things to be done for them. So I imagine that when you went and built those smaller businesses that then went on to IPO, you were looking for certain traits within salespeople, especially if they yeah. had been working in a larger organization is there one or two things that they absolutely must have that you you could interview for yes so they have to have the sort of standalone capability of deliverable so if you look at the skill set you're hiring for let's say that's um global 2000 of which we've got 578 within the emir theater and there's mm-hmm. a specific portfolio whether that's government pharmaceutical petrochemical etc mm-hmm. they needed to understand that to your point that you raised there isn't going to be an army of support around them. They've got to be very capable, almost CEO of their own franchise, their own job function. They are very empowered. Mm-hmm. They'll get support. They'll, you know, with the, the, the devices to monitor sales, et cetera, you know, MedPick, Salesforce, all that hygiene will be there even in a small company because it needs mm-hmm. to be. Mm-hmm. But the higher, they've got to be more of a risk taker. 
Simon. They've got to be capable of saying, look, I'm joining a small company. Mm. There's more um, exposure on what they, he or she achieves. Mm. And they've got to make sure that they execute in the right way. So there's got to be that appetite, that desire to have exposure, to be seen, to be accountable and succeed. Yeah. And that's a recipe that no, it's not for everybody. Um, so yeah. to, to, to follow on the, the answer of your question, you know, when we hire, would I consider hiring from people from a large organization if their DNA looked to be appropriate, if they had the genuine desire, if they had the experience, professionalism and skill set, but absolutely crossing crossing the cavern of going into a smaller company, they've got to have that risk appetite. And I, yeah. I think it is for me, it's risk management with the desire to know what they want to achieve and yeah. have potentially then the, the bigger gains. Yeah. Okay, cool. And and once you've got them in, um, what what's your uh, recipe that you've worked out over the years, having built these companies successfully? Let's say uh, looking at three non-negotiables for um, people, people's sales success, um, if, if I can phrase it that way. You might think of a better way, but three things that, uh, so, you know, you know, they yeah. need. So for me, it's intellect is the first one. They've got to be smart. They've got to be bright. They've got to have the right, what, you know, more ethical, moral compass. So I need to know I can trust them implicitly. Mm. And then they've got to have the absolute passion. If I then look at the other two things, you mentioned three, if I go four and five, mm. it's then professionalism and experience. Mm. But that is further down the track. I want, I want high energy, intellectually strong individuals mm -hmm. because they can be mentored and managed and have capability of executing so they can mm -hmm. understand your culture understand your ethos of what what and how you want to execute mm -hmm. and they can also then ask for guidance mm -hmm. um you know it's it's very important that you've got individuals that he or she can ask when you know how to how to go and execute where to execute you clearly want experience professionalism and skill set where they've got the, the the raw credentials but you want to fine-tune those you want to understand how can they can execute with a you know have they got a perpetual 30 60 90 day plan rolling even mm -hmm. when they've been there for a period of time it's the 80 20 rule it's knowing how you're executing in a kind of dynamic way that you have the capacity to tweak things but mm -hmm. you're heading in the right direction you're not having a strategy yeah. that can go 180 degrees either way because maybe one quarter you dip. Yeah. You've got to have the confidence and self-belief of how you execute and how you can actually achieve success. Yeah. Yeah. And it's having a team culture that you're not losing on your own or winning on your own, but yeah. you've got a team. Yeah. I want yeah. absolute superstars yeah. that know they're part of a team. Yeah. They're playing yeah. on a pitch where they all have a responsibility. Yeah. And as the, it's, the, it's the, interesting what you just said about 30, 60, 90 plan, because I, I'm surprised sometimes when I'm talking to people, they, they earn six figure plus basics and they're going into a final interview situation. And we often advise them to think about a plan. Uh, you know, what would they do? And, and some people uh, don't always do that level of preparation. And not only that, you're, what you expect from people, and ideally is that someone's got a plan throughout their whole career almost like almost like what am i going to be doing over my next 30 60 90 days um so yeah that that's interesting that uh, you expect them to always have that because I, uh, everybody has a slightly different style Simon. my yeah. view is i always want to um 
you know, if I'm interviewing for a role or I'm interviewing candidates, they need to ask intelligent questions. And to your point on on reasonably well-paid salaries, people, you expect that. But I need people to go a stage further. I need them to say, look, assuming I've started with this organization and assuming I've you know, conceptually understood what the platform represents, the USPs and where it positions within the market, how then would I go the next stage? Because I, I feel I've, my, my advocate for what I call Monday to Fridays, if an individual, if he or she knows what they do on a Monday morning when they wake up and they know exactly what they need to try and execute. And as I say, that 20% can be changed, but they are passionate about what they're trying to achieve. And going back to the large company scenario, in large companies, people can actually go a whole quarter, 90 days without kind of knowing what their brief is. That's a, that, that you know, leadership needs, needs, frankly, a wake up call there. Yeah. You've got to empower individuals to know what is expected of them, to interact with them that they are confident to know how to execute. There are going to be bumps on the way, Simon. You know, at the moment, going from technical teams in the in the space I'm of Kubernetes to then get senior leadership sign off, mm. that bridge, that link in the chain of having champions that tend to be more technical to get the business justification is a real. You know, if you just approach it with um, flat feet, you're not going to get there. You've got to be agile and you've got to be intelligent and you've got to position yourself as if you're the customer today. Customers are sophisticated. Customers are under you know, significant constraints with high interest rates, with you know, potential challenges around efficiency, um, no matter what sector they're in. They need to be procuring technologies that absolutely give a very defined clear return on investment mm. and it means we in the it industry have got to be quicker faster better more succinct mm. um and i remember you know john chambers said to me once when i worked for him you know always tell a story but be succinct and credible he was the um really senior in cisco wasn't he john chambers he was he was running cisco and when i ran the advanced technologies and the MDS, particularly the uh, multi-layer uh, multi data center switch, he had uh, myself and and my team over in in uh, in San Jose, uh, building seven, where he would he would sort of mentor um, exactly what we were going to achieve and how we were going to achieve it. And he yeah. sort of he, he was an interesting individual. Um, but I remember I remember him saying, you know, you've always got to tell a story, but you've got to be succinct and credible. And I think never is it more true that we, where you've got to be succinct and credible. How important is sales methodology to you? Uh, we hear um, leaders talking about MedPIT these days. That's the most common one, but there's all these other sales methodologies. So you're talking about, about people having this constant plan, and obviously that plan sometimes needs to change. Um, understanding your customer in 2023 as well, some of the challenges that they're under. What about uh, uh, these uh, um, sales training uh, so platforms look, I, that people I, I, use? Um, whether it's, I remember back, back, in the, back in the day, it was Sales 101. And I call it Sales 101. Um, I do use MedPick because it's frankly very much similar to Sales 101. It's a, a clear stage, stage process going through sales of qualifying the deal, of understanding the time period associated with it, understanding who your champion is, mm -hmm. understanding whether there's budget, understanding the justification of the landscape, and knowing how then you can execute to, to actually get a, a purchase order. Mm -hmm. So I'm a firm... While I want entrepreneurs 
in all of my teams, I want, I call it the art of science. The art is the entrepreneurial side, Simon. The science is you do need methodology, you, especially as you scale teams. So MedPick is an important component. Salesforce is an important, important component. Frankly, it's how you adopt and use them and the ruggedization of them. And it's, yeah. the, it's the sales drill down of understanding a deal. One, one client said to me, um, I don't really mind what sales methodology somebody uses as long as it works. <laughs> so like it can be an amalgamation of like, quite a few different things, but as long as when they put it together, they understand what's made them successful previously well, and they can completely complete i mean i guess the way i would answer that question is to a certain degree i agree however you want to have you want to have the ability to understand where you are in the account with or without the sales individual driving that account so you need to have a be able to look and say where are we at mm. um if that individual was off for some reason mm. um where are we at with that account so we have very clear exposure. We know exactly what's happening. Mm. But I think using those tools um, without the um, weekly drill down of account analysis, who, where, what, why, um, and how it's progressing, that then reinforced. Most organizations, if you look at Salesforce on a particular deal, the information will be out of date or semi-irrelevant. Mm. If you're having regular drill downs of an account um summaries it sounds crazy letters of understanding i've just jumped off a call with a with an austrian bank um towards the end of the call you know thank you for your time and attention i found the meeting both interesting and informative and i have pleasure summarizing our joint actions so you've got a complete chronological breakdown of what the actions are um mm. and that you know you can then from a systems perspective you can blind bcc that into salesforce and you've mm. got a chronological update so it's mm. it's a real-time working document mm. uh, it's that type of um activity i do support mm. uh, but i also you know i want i want deal makers i want i want individuals to um push back on me i want to be challenged i want to make sure that we're doing the right thing for the prospect mm -hmm. to turn mm -hmm. it into a customer if we have got customers, I want them to be happy customers from a customer success perspective and renew year on year um, uh, if they hadn't already signed up for three years. I don't know if that answers your question, but I'm, you know, I am an advocate, but I believe it's the art of science. It's a blend. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I get it. My, my um, uh, statement was probably just sounded slightly flippant, which is as long as it works, it works. But what, what, where you're coming from is there needs to be a, a good overview um, from, from a senior management perspective of where that deal is with the customer, where you are in the account. And, and there needs to be some structure around that that somebody's using and they can they can demonstrate that to you so you can help and you can get involved with Absolutely. With you know, deal rooms well. I still yeah. use. I still yeah. use whiteboard deal rooms. Yeah. Because uh, right. I mean, there's some really good stuff there. Um, I think some of the things that we're all facing at the moment, are, there's, there's some pretty common challenges. I was at an event yesterday, which was a DTX digital transformation event in Manchester, where there's quite a few cloud and cyber companies and a lot of software development companies that sort of sit alongside a lot of those organizations as well. Uh, fortunately, I thought it was mega busy, actually. I thought the atmosphere was really, really positive. Um, I didn't hear people moaning about, you know, we can't get this deal done or that deal done. So that's a really good sign. I thought that the general atmosphere was was really good. I, you know, it's great to see, obviously, post-COVID, those events have come back, um, you know, hugely now. But um, I think my question here is, 2023 
well, we're, not, we're nearly halfway through it. We're not far off. Um, what have you learned so far and what advice are you giving to sellers at the moment uh, that's going to, that's, that's perhaps going to help people? I'm, you know, not, not everyone's got all the answers, but no, um, I'd, be, I think... I'd be really keen to hear from you about what you're, what you're, you know, from with all your experience of building these organizations, what, so, is, th is this a lot different to how it's been over the last 10 years or should we I be doing things very, differently? Very valid, a very valid question. Um, you know, we've seen, we've seen sort of dot-com boom um, at the millennium um, and, and sort of that bubble burst. Um, we went through 2008, nine. Um, I think this is, um, it, it is slightly more challenging. I think if you're, if you have the right technology, if your platform genuinely provides value, if it genuinely reduces cost and you can demonstrate that, um, without a doubt, what I'm seeing is budgets are tighter for organizations. People have pulled their belt in. So they are um, they're procuring things that genuinely are giving them value. And it's not instant gratification, but you've got to demonstrate a return on investment, a total cost of ownership in a quite a profound way. It can't be too binary it's got to be more intimate and bespoke for that organization mm. um and therefore if you can demonstrate that you do never is it been more important in my humble opinion to have a champion in an organization you need somebody in that organization who really says look i get this i really need this technology and they've got to be your your sponsor your coach and they've got to enable you to get to the right people i'm yeah. seeing Whereas budgets were signed off, if we turn the clock back a few years, sort of slightly quicker, less signatures, less authorization. We've now got sign off going right the way through to the CIO's office and sometimes to the CFO's office. That's not only on SME, but that's also in enterprise mm -hmm. and some of the MSPs decisions mm -hmm. go up to the CEO's office. Mm -hmm. So I haven't seen that for several years. We mm -hmm. are seeing that. Um, I think as long as you can see that, understand that, accept that, and then work to provide value at every level, yeah. be prepared to sit with a senior um, manager within an organization for 30 yeah. minutes, do a cost justification, yeah. a commercial discussion. And yeah. as long as you're credible in that commercial discussion, then I think, think things are okay. So yeah. I think FY23 is, is okay. I think it will get easier as inflation comes down and mm. interest rates start to come down but at the moment yeah. we've got a global perfect storm of, of some challenges but mm. i think the the companies with a with a smart technology a decent platform mm. they will survive and continue to grow yeah cool all right well um that's really good advice um i've got um some other things that i think it'd be great to uh hear from you that uh, isn't all about how to close deals, how to uh, um, win in 2023 and all the rest of the, the stuff that people tend to talk about on these things. But um, I thought of a couple of other things that um, we'd, we'd really like to know. People are, are getting a lot of value from uh, podcasts these days. Uh, is there anything that you've come across recently that you think uh, has been, been a, a good coach or mentor to you or a good something that you've listened to online or something that you've that you've read that you think that is is invaluable at the moment uh we're, so, we're always on the lookout for uh, these types of things ourselves yeah, uh, so, uh, uh, an, author by the name of, an author by the name of jim collins 
wrote a book, Good to Great. He wrote Good to Great. Yeah, we've heard of it. Yeah, we yeah. know it. So uh, for me, you know, he he looked at eleven organisations um, and looked at you know certain process and methodology of how you execute and and really being focused on um, customer facing time. You know, the the the, the crude analogy of how how do you sell more? You get you spend more time in front of prospects. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, double your double your minutes or hours in front of prospects, and guess what? You'll be more successful. Mm-hmm. And that stayed with me. So. The book Good to Great um, is much more diverse than that. Um, mm. It's it's smart. Um, there's some good learning associated with it, and I've probably read that three or four times over. You know, I've, I'll put it down for a few years, mm. and I'll suddenly grab it um, on a Sunday afternoon mm. and sort of read a few chapters. And it's mm. it's it's a really good refresher, and it's 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 quite inspiring. Lots of people talk about that book. Um, lots of people have mentioned it to us as uh, been something that they found really really useful. A lot of the leaders we've spoken with um yeah cool and um you know it's um it's i think it's mental health week this week and i haven't you know spent a lot of time my, my wife mentioned it to me because i think where she is um they were they were thinking about uh, what sort of things they can do in the workplace to kind of take the pressure off a little bit it's 2023 things have become a little bit tighter people are under a little bit more stress um what have you found uh, that uh, works just to take the pressure off yourself others around you have you found things that uh, um you know have worked for you how do you lead these teams these it's days the, so again you you've seen it all haven't you you've taken people through all sorts of stressful situations it's not like the first time we've all been here in yeah, a situation it's a journey, where it's time, a journey. i mean for myself personally um it's i you know it's exercise um you know i like sport i like tennis um i walk for teams um I like to organize events, um, I've you know, been canyoning um, in the mountains where we sort of put, it, put on these dry suits and jump into freezing cold water, going down a mountain crevance, um, canoeing, um, things that aren't stupidly expensive, but actually great team building events. Um, yeah. And uh, if, if I'm doing it for the larger company, you know, barbecues at home um, in the summer, uh, where you can do a, a you know a, a big whole day event for people's uh, families. Um, so that's it, like remote. But the one that you mentioned earlier sounded really interesting. So you'd, you've done some offsite stuff that's worked really well, have it's you? Great. It works really well. Um, I've done it. What was the one you mentioned about plunging into cold water? So what? Yeah, no, it's right. Switzerland. It's canyoning, um, where right. these these organisations will take you. They'll take groups of the. I'd, I'd take my leadership team. We'd take sort of twelve people. Um, and then I've encouraged my other teams to do it um, that I haven't attended, um, where we've done a, a two-day, one-day canyoning, um, and then you you know you have sort of a picnic lunch, and then you have a big dinner in the evening, and everyone's got photographs, and people are feeling absolutely exhausted <coughs> with very strange hairstyles because we've been you know our, the last time we did we we got back quite late back to the hotel, yeah. and we went straight into dinner, and it was just a you know, it's a great people remember it and the photographs and the camaraderie. How, how, how receptive are salespeople to that these days? Because uh, there's a little bit of friction we're finding in the market. A lot of people are asking their teams why they're not out a little bit more, why they're not going to events a little bit more. I mean, the event that I was at the other day, it was uh, it was heaving, so there was definitely no like uh, resistance to to being out there. Although I was quite surprised that some of the leaders within those tech businesses, um, I'd say about. 50 60 percent of the organizations there I, I, there wasn't actually a sales leader there it was like they were just letting the, the team get on with it but 
Um, there were still a lot of good sales leaders there. And I actually said to them, it's nice to see that you're on the stand. It's nice to see you actually yeah. alongside your salespeople. What I was thinking here is, are you finding there's, there's resistance to you organizing some of these things to take the pressure off to do these kind of events? Are you finding there's resistance to people traveling to meet up these days post-COVID or are people like really up for these I, things these days? I think I'm delighted to say, I think, um, you know, individuals are cautious individuals have their own right if if somebody says look you know marcus i don't want to do that because i feel exposed i won't force them yeah. but on the whole culturally um everybody came with me on this recent trip um and going back to events you know i've just been at kubecon in amsterdam um last month um i think it's important that the leadership come out we had some great interaction with prospects um and it's good that the team see you in action. So look, Simon, everybody has a slightly different nuance, a slightly different approach. Um, I'm not saying that my methodology is right, but I think um, when you get feedback from the teams that they really, you know, they, they loved they loved what they did. Um, yeah. They really enjoyed it. Um, you know, having the odd dinner with teams to make them, not only teams, but individuals to listen to them, to have outside the office space, um, outside and the office space is including home now um, but the ability to sit down and just listen to individuals not so much saying I want to understand what's happening here here and here but listening and understanding where they are in their life you know what's what's giving them pressure what's concerning them what's motivating them and just getting to know them in a way where you build up a, a good intimacy um, and a good relationship where they feel comfortable and confident they can share things and you can, you know, do the same, but you also, there's an element of mentoring, but there's also an element of camaraderie and support in a, in a climate where, you know, very few people have not got a bucket of problems, you know, uh, on their table and it's how you manage them and how you approach them. So yeah. I think it's many and varied, but that's, that's the style we adopt. I try and yeah. get teams together on a monthly basis. Minimum. I was going to say how often, uh, when do you do it? When do you sort of strike and think, right, we need to get, we need to get everybody together. It's great. By the way, some of the stuff you were saying there, I thought was um, really, really good about how how important it is to listen to individuals. Everyone's got a bag of problems. Of course, they have. They're all human beings running busy lives, busy families. If you're not spending some time getting to know the people that you're expecting to perform for you and really understanding them, then how can you possibly then help them? Uh, you really need to understand more about them. But I know we were talking about the events because I was quite interested in what you're doing to take the pressure off the teams. How often are you getting them together? Uh, what's working for you? What what do you I, find? Since I try and do monthly. I try and do monthly. Sometimes when you've just run a QBR, which I try and do face to face as well. So it's it averages monthly, Simon. Um, but then I will try and I'll look at individuals. I'll see who's potentially you know a bit more challenged, struggling a little bit in certain areas, mm. and that's when I'll I'll double down and have a dinner. Um, just sit and try and understand how we can help nurture you know i'm a firm advocate of growing people uh, in mm. their roles so you know no matter whether they're a, um, an sdr you know doing lead gen whether they're an enterprise account exec um, whether they're a channel individual mm. um, they all have certain nuances and it's massively mm. important that all those groups you know from mql marketing qualified lead to sales qualified lead all those areas have to be strong mm. bridges so mm. you don't get issues and having individuals knowing, you know, because not everybody is going to get on with everybody all the time. So just knowing the dynamics, knowing how you can manage it, knowing how you can get the best out of it, 
and knowing ultimately that the culture is an open, honest um, culture that people execute in a professional way. Mm. If there are certain in stone parameters, then you can afford to give people, you know, empowerment and, and, and areas that make life colourful. Um, so I, I how, how do you manage that? Um, I'm sorry, I'm going off on a little bit of a tangent, but it's just interesting. I think we've gone on to leadership here, haven't we? We're talking about exactly how you manage people, which is so important in uh, in leadership roles. So if, um, you know, how do you manage that bit where you, you want to help somebody, they might be falling behind a little bit and you decide to take them for dinner. So what I'm thinking is from their perspective, they might be thinking, uh, we do the team events, but hold on, Marcus wants to take me for dinner. So is that like, have I got, am I in trouble? Have I got a problem? Is that just, how do you actually like uh, manage that psychological yeah, situation? It's a, it's a great question. If it's one of your direct reports, it's very straightforward because you're having a lot of interaction with them. Um, if, if, if I understand your question, if it's not one of your direct reports and you're saying, you know, let's have some, you know, let's, let's catch up for a drink. Let's, let's get a bite to eat. Um, you don't just land it on them. You know, you, mm -hmm. you kind of nurture it through where mm -hmm. you're talking through an issue. Um, mm -hmm. You say, look, you know, actually, you know, I think I could do with a, you know, a bit of fresh air. Why don't we meet up? Um, mm -hmm. Why don't we, and we can discuss this. Mm -hmm. So you, 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 build your way into it versus Simon, you know, mm. we're going to see each other tomorrow night, 7 p.m. And you mm. think, why am I seeing you? You know, yeah. what, why, why, why am I seeing you? In the so they know what the discussion's about. I'm a firm yeah. advocate of transparency. Yeah. Um, I want people to always understand where I'm at from, you know, what we've got to execute, what I like, what I dislike. I, what I don't like is miscommunication or, or mm. an inability to know what someone's. Yeah. So there's, there's no surprises with you. It's transparent. You've been talking with people for a long time. You, you generally, I imagine, take people out for lunches, dinners, etc. Anyway, so cool. So that you know, they know that uh, you're trying to support them, and it's, uh, it's, it's not a big not, surprise. Yeah. You it's not yeah. trying to. It's not trying to mislead. You know, um, look, I, I always, you know, I, I report to the president in the U.S. Um, I expect pretty open transparency from him. Um, if he'll occasionally ask things, and you, the back of your mind, you think. What what is he actually really asking? Yeah. That's never been a positive emotion for me to have to manage, and I'm quite a you know somebody who who will qualify something pretty deeply and understand. But when that that's not made me feel particularly good in the past, so I always try and learn from that that I don't want to behave like that because yeah. nervous energy for an individual is only going to make them less productive, yeah. less loyal and give them you know medically a lot of pain and i don't mm. want that that's that's not what i'm about i'm about i want people working hard executing well with my guidance but enjoying themselves mm. um you know we're in it we've been i've been very fortunate in it but i want people to enjoy their life enjoy their families and enjoy their success and if i could be a component to help with that success but I need them to be enjoying their overall, you know, framework of life, which, you know, family, dear friends, you know, I want work to be low down on that threshold. Mm. But when you are there, I want people to really perform and it's my duty to help them perform. Sounds like a good recipe. Yeah. Um, what else? Um, as a sort of final note from you, what else uh, is important? to help build businesses in 2023. I know we've gone back to um, to that again. 
so I think I, that, uh, some, summary for me, it's really simple. You know, mm. just have the right execution strategy, stay on it. If things don't, if, if you're really confident, I talked earlier about the 80-20 rule. If you're confident you've got the right strategy and if you've done the homework, you probably have. You know, certainly tighten your belt a couple of notches if it's tough, mm. but stay on it. Have the conviction, confidence and passion to stay on it. Tweak that 20% where you need to, but don't do 180 degree about turn because you just you'll, you'll end up just dying probably quicker. Mm. Stay focused, stay confident, and and have the have the confidence and passion to execute, and you'll you'll reach success. Cool, brilliant, Marcus. Really appreciate it, and uh, there's some real good nuggets there. So I really appreciate your time today. My and, pleasure. Um, we'll chat again soon.